Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 1. If you could be upstanding, as is the custom here. Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. That kind of encapsulates 2020. Amen. Persevered with patience, labored, and didn't become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And for the next few minutes, I'd like to preach to you on the thought, back to the basics, back to the basics. If we could just pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's in this place. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful music team that led us into your presence, that have dedicated their time. And Lord, as uh, we enter your presence, as we experience your love and your mercy here this evening, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would use me to minister your word, that we would receive your word and leave this place changed and transformed by the power of your word and your word alone. Have your way in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for standing. You may be seated. Back to the basics. Two weeks ago, pastor preached on the thought, learn to rebound. Who remembers that? Who were, was here for that? That should be this crew because that was two weeks ago now, or you're watching it online. But learn to rebound. He talked about the need to rebound in life and in our walk with God, and he inexplicably compared the church of the living God to a man by the name of Dennis Rodman. I will never forget that <laughs> for as long as I live. <laughs> he emphasized that we have to return to our first love. We have to return to our first love, our relationship with Jesus. And he concluded the message by talking about how returning to our first love will cause us to return to our first works. And so tonight I am continuing his thought, continuing where he left off, and we're talking about back to the basics. If you have been part of any organization or uh, a team, you would have heard this phrase, we need to get back to the basics. By this, your teacher, your leader, or your coach is saying, we need to get back to the fundamentals. We need to get back to the foundation. We need to understand the very basics of what is going on. This happens when things become too complex or team members are not working together. They're not moving in the same direction with the same goal in mind. And no team, no group is immune to this. In July of 1961, 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were gathered together for the first day of training camp. I figured he used basketball, so I'll use football. The previous season had ended with a heartbreaking defeat when the Packers squandered a lead late in the fourth quarter of 
the NFL championship, and they lost that championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Green Bay players had been thinking all offseason about this brutal loss, and they were wondering what they were going to do. And finally, now they were going to training camp. It had finally arrived, and it was time to get to work. The players were eager to hear about how they were going to advance their game, how they were going to get that just one step further so they could actually win the championship this year. They wanted to know what new special thing the coach was going to put into place to help them get over the hump and get that last little bit that they needed to do. And they wanted to start working on the details on how that would help them win a championship. Their coach, the legendary uh, Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi, in fact, the uh, championship trophy in the NFL now is named after Lombardi, the Lombardi trophy. And he was the coach of this team. He had a different idea. He began the training camp with the most elemental statement of all. He said, gentlemen, and then he held up in his hand this round object, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. This is a team that was in the championship just the year before, and Vince Lombardi starts his wonderful uh, his wonderful ramp up into this new season by explaining what a football is to a football team. He was coaching a group of professional athletes who were just that close to winning a championship, winning the biggest prize, and yet he started from the very beginning, the very foundation. Lombardi's methodical coverage of the fundamentals continued all throughout that training camp. Each player reviewed how they would learn uh, to block and to tackle in the most fundamental way. They opened up the playbook and they started from page one, learning the simplest plays and moving their way to the most complex plays. His team would become the best team in the league at the tasks everyone else took for granted. And six months later, this method, this madness, this paid off. The Green Bay Packers beat the New York Giants 37 to nothing to win the NFL championship that year. You see, the Packers were a great team, but they had lost focus on the things that made them great. They were a great team, but they had lost focus on the things that made them great. And that is what their coach was trying to show them. He was trying to get them to return to the fundamentals, and that would give them the ability to win by returning to the basics, by getting back to the fundamentals. And in a similar way, this is what Jesus was telling the church at Ephesus. You are a great church. You have so many wonderful attributes. You have so many wonderful abilities. You are talented. You have labored hard and are patient enough to see the work fulfilled. But he had one thing against this great church. There was just one thing that was missing from this great church. And as pastor highlighted a couple weeks ago, he said that they had left their first love. They had moved on from that place of deep relationship with God, and they had settled for far less than what God had for them. And if we're honest, many of us may have done the same in 2020. Allowing the complexities of life and the strangeness 
of the time we are living in to avert our focus. Maybe we became too involved in the cares of this world, the global pandemic, the racial tension, the political drama, the far-fetched conspiracy theories, and social media wars, that we spent less time praying and more time worrying. I know that if I look back for myself on the year 2020, I shake my head at the amount of time that I wasted on the news of the day, the rolling news of the day that come, came in like, like a fire hydrant was just let off. Wasted so much time. But God is challenging us to put those things aside and to get back to our first love, to put the things of this world, the cares of this world, to put it off to the side and get back to our first love, to make him and his will the priority of our lives again. To make him and his will the priority of our lives. How do we do that? How do we get back? How do we return to our first love? You see, the remedy is offered in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 2, which we read. It says this, it says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. The Amplified Bible puts the same passage this way. It just spells it out a little bit more. And it says, So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. He says the way that you get back, the way that you get back to your first love is to remember. Remember how far you have fallen and then repent. You need to remember how far you have fallen and then repent. And many of us did that a few weeks ago when Pastor preached on this message. And he talked about how we had fallen away from our first love. We have left our first love. But there may have been those that weren't there that week. And, and maybe you are feeling conviction as I preach this word and as I talk about this topic here this evening. So I would be remiss if I just skipped over that. Amen. Over what the word of the Lord is telling the church here this evening. I want you to remember. Amen. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember what it was like when you first came to the Lord. Remember what it was like when you first knelt at the altar of repentance for the very first time. Remember what it was like when you were first filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. When your sins were washed away in baptism, when you came out of that water as a new creature, knowing that all those sins were now washed away, never to be remembered again. Remember what it was like when your first prayers were answered, when you prayed a prayer and you knew that God had answered that prayer, how excited you were, how full of life and joy you were at the answer of your first prayer, when, when you taught your first Bible study. Amen. I remember when I taught my first Bible study, how energetic and how energizing it was seeing someone see the word of God and respond to the word of God. Amen. Remember what it was like when you first felt the call of God, when you first heard the voice of God, the direction of God, and the tears were streaming down your face in this altar, and you were responding to God's moving in his spirit over your life. I want you to remember the love that you had for him in those moments, the joy that you felt in your heart. Hallelujah. 
the peace that flooded your life, the peace that overwhelmed all the circumstances that may have been happening in your life. I want you to remember that here this evening. But don't just remember. Don't just think about the good old days, but repent. It's not enough just to remember where we, we came from, but we've got to repent. We have to make that decision today. I know I've made that decision this week, amen, that I have repented from how far I have fallen for where God wants me to be. And we need to make that decision that we are going to change our way of thinking, that we are going to change our behavior. and We're not going to allow the cares of this world to distract us, to pull us away from God wants to do in our life. And we are going to earnestly seek after his will, seek after what he has for us each and every day. It's not enough to remember, but we must repent and make a decision that it stops today. It stops now. I'm not going to go back to what I was doing before. I'm not going to return back to what I was doing before, but I'm going back to my first love. I'm going back to the Father and the purpose that he has for me. Amen. It's not enough to do the work of God. It's not enough to serve God. It's not enough to serve the people of God, but we need we need to get back to that place, back to that first love, that relationship. Amen. I'm not going to waste another day going through the motions. I'm not going to waste another worship service. I'm not going to waste another altar call, but I'm going to get back. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to get back to my first love. Hallelujah. So what do you do after you remember? What do you do after you have repented? Well, we need to do exactly what Jesus told the church at Ephesus to do. He said, remember. He said, repent. And then he said, you need to start doing the first works. We must do the first works. We must get back to the basics. So church, this, this is a Bible. I'm pulling a Coach Lombardi tonight. This is... A Bible. It is comprised of 66 books. There's 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. It was written over a 1600 year span across 60 generations by more than 40 different authors from diverse walks of life. They, they ranged from kings all the way to shepherds. It was compiled on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And it is incredibly harmonious, regardless of the drastic time, regardless of the different cultures, regardless of the geographical differences and the language differences be in, between all the different individuals books. It has survived empires. It has survived dictators. It has survived shutdowns. It has survived restrictions. Outlasting it all. It has overcome false prophets and it has overcome perversions of scripture and it has overcome heresies. This is the word of God. This is your Bible. Hallelujah. It is the only volume ever produced by man that predicted without fail the future of nations, a race of people, cities, peoples of the earth, and the coming of the one who was to be the Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament alone given between 1,600 years before Christ and 400 years before Christ concerning the Messiah, which, which distinctly, which exactly uh, talk about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection 
mission of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your Bible, it is your Bible. It is within this book that you will learn how to be saved. It is within this book that you will be encouraged in your faith and you will gain spiritual power and protection. It is in this book that you will find nourishment and fruitfulness for your soul. It is in this book that you will receive help to overcome sin. You will discover time-tested guidance that will lead you to success. And it is in this book that you will experience true life and freedom and peace. It is your Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is why we must read this book. That is why we must study this book. That is why we must teach this book. That is why we must learn this book. I want to encourage someone to fall back in love with the word of God like you're reading it for the very first time. Hey, I know what it's like. I grew up in church. I grew up in Sunday school. I've been reading this thing and memorizing this thing since I was five years old. I I start a story. I can finish the story. But I want to challenge you to dig into this book like you've never dug into the Bible before in 2021. Look at it with the amazement it deserves. Look at it with the awe that it inspires. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can start a reading plan. I was encouraged to see that the National Youth Ministries is doing a reading plan starting in February, and they're going all throughout the New Testament. You can join a reading plan, and you can do it together with someone else. My wife and I, we're doing a reading plan this year, keeping ourselves accountable. You can do a reading plan of the Bible. You can join a Bible study. If you want to learn more about the Bible, join a Bible study. Talk to Brother Sam. We have disciple makers that want to teach you, that want to to give of their time and teach you about the Word of God. I want to encourage you to sign up for New Life Journey, even if you've taken it before. A lot of what I just said right there comes straight from New Life Journey. But you didn't hear it like that because we are talking about it. We are teaching it to you in New Life Journey. It is exciting learning about the Word of God. Get in New Life Journey. Enroll in Bible school. If you've never done Bible school, get into Bible school. Enroll in that. It will change your life. And if you've taken Bible school before, you can go again. There's all these new subjects that we've uh, just put in the last year or two. So if you did, if you went all the way through Bible school, I guarantee you there is a number of subjects you've never seen. So I encourage you to join Bible school. It's, 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 it's basically free to watch. Get into the Word of God. Do whatever you can to get into the Word of God this year. Get into His Word. Learn more about Him this year. Another basic that we need to get back into is prayer. Prayer is the very foundation of our relationship with God. It is the lifeblood of our Christian walk. We can't be a Christian without praying. I'll say it again. If you're not praying, you can't be a Christian. It's the lifeblood of your walk. Prayer, put simply, is communication with God. It is through times of prayer that we draw closer to God. Much like when you first start dating someone, you first start talking to someone. You're not going to learn more about that person if you never talk to them. Like, oh, hey. We're together, but I'm never going to talk to you. (laughs) Remember me? I decided to follow you. (laughs) Imagine that. You're just following someone around, (laughs) never talking to him. (laughs) I'm following Jesus. Do you talk to him? Eh. Why? 
This is why Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and told them in Philippians chapter 4, he said, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God in every situation, in every circumstance. We need to pray. We must pray. When life is good, we need to pray. When life is bad, we need to pray. When things aren't going our way, we need to pray. When we get the promotion at work, pray about it. <laughs> when you don't get the promotion, pray. Amen. When you're in good health, pray. When you're in bad health, you need to pray. In every situation, in every circumstance, we must pray. The Apostle Paul would also instruct the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer to keep alert in it, to keep focused in your prayer time. Don't just let it meander through, but make sure that you are alert, that you are focused in your prayer time. Stay focused. Commit yourself to it. I heard a preacher once say that, that there are stages to your prayer life, and so many of us uh, never progress past the first stage because in the first stage, it begins as your duty to pray. I'm a Christian and I need to pray. This is part of being a Christian is that I need to pray. That's the first stage. Then it becomes your desire to pray. I want to pray. I want to spend time with God. And then finally, it becomes your delight to pray. It starts off as a duty, but the more you pray, it turns to desire. And the more you pray, it turns to delight. And you can't get out of the presence of God because you want to spend more time in prayer. So how do we get into that habit? How do we get into a habit of praying every day? Again, we're going back to the basics. You see, the key is found in these three simple steps, and Brother Ben and Brother Sam will know a lot about what I'm talking about because it's in New Life Journey. Three simple steps to make sure that you create a habit of prayer. You need to find a time to pray. You need to find a place to pray. And you need to have an objective of your prayer time. We need to find a time, we need to find a place, and we need to have an objective, something that we are praying about. If you don't know when and where you're going to be praying tomorrow, the chances are you're not going to pray. When I'm in New Life Journey, I talk about running a lot, and they probably get tired of it. <laughs> but I've decided today when where, how far I'm going to run tomorrow. And what do I do? I get up at the time I set my alarm for, I go out and I run the distance that I wanted to run. Why? Because I made that decision the day before. If I left it to, oh, maybe I'll get up like my wife does. I'm sorry. Sorry, Steph. She runs every day. She just, it's different times throughout the day. And you may be like that with prayer. You may not be that person that prays in the morning as soon as you wake up because God doesn't want to talk to you in the morning. Not even God wants to talk to you in the morning. You're that kind of morning person. But we need to find a time. We need to find a place. And we need to have an objective to our prayer time. Again, I know this is elementary. I know some of you are just like, far out. I came here tonight for this. But that's the point. The point is, is we're not doing it, some of us. Some of us aren't doing this. And so we need to get back to the basics if we want to go further in our walk with God, if we want to go deeper. Oh, we all want to talk about depth. We all want to talk about the, the riches and, and the wonder and all of that. The way you get there is through the basics. 
The way you win the Super Bowl is by understanding the basics of the game. If we want to take that next step, if we do want to go deeper in the things of God, sometimes we need to, we need to remember to work on the things that got us there, the things that got us to a deep relationship. If you want to go deeper, keep working on those. Amen. We need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to the basics of praise and worship, especially right now that we're in this random phase where we're having to wear masks during praise and worship. You see, praise expresses appreciation and gratitude for all that God has done, the miracles that he has performed, the blessings that he has poured out in our life, the salvation that he has purchased for us, the grace that he has extended, the love and the mercy that he has shown, the things that he has done for each and every one of us. For every one of us, he purchased our salvation. For every one of us, he has extended mercy and grace. For so many of us, he has healed our body and he has touched our mind. He has performed the miraculous. And if that doesn't make you want to offer up a praise to God, I don't know what to tell you. But that makes me want to praise him. That makes me want to jump. That makes me want to clap. That makes me want to shout for joy. That makes me want to sing. Because all that he has done for me, he's done so much for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to enter into his gates with thanksgiving on our lips and enter into his courts with praise in our hearts and understand that he is worthy of our praise for all that he has done. Hallelujah. All that he has done. Amen. Amen. Because he's been so good to us. He has been so good to us. As far as I know, there's still not one person in this church that has tested positive for COVID. He has been good to us. He has had his hand on us. He has protected us in 2020. Hallelujah. But worship is different to praise. You see, praise is about what God has done for us. But in worship, we adore and we reverence God for who he is. It's not just about fast and slow. <laughs> because you can praise God in a slow song. And you can worship God in a fast song. Worship is about reverence and adoring God for who he is. He is the creator of all things. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. The one and true God. Amen. All power is in his hands. His name is above every other name. As was sung tonight, he is a healer. He is a miracle worker. He is a way maker. He is a deliverer and a provider. He is a mender of the brokenhearted. He is a liberator of those who are in captivity. He is amazing. Hallelujah. He is amazing and he is wonderful and he is all inspiring. That is our God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all life. And that doesn't change. That will never change. That is who he is. 
It's not going to change based on your circumstance. It's not going to change based on the state of this world. It's not going to change based on who is leading and who is providing. And no matter how you feel and the emotions that you bring into the day, it's not going to change who he is. He's still the creator. He's still the sustainer. He's still the miracle worker. And that's why we must worship him. That's why we must lift up our hands and lift up our voice for who he is. And we adore him and we reverence him for who he is. Because he's worthy of our worship, no matter what happened during the week, no matter what happened in 2020, no matter what happens in 2021, he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our adoration because he doesn't change. That is who he is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That is who he is. As I hurry to close, if I could please get the musicians to come. That is who he is. He is worthy of our worship. It is through worship that we experience his presence and he draws close to us. That's why we worship in the service. It's not just so you can hear nice songs and slow it down and get your emotions worked up. That's not what it's about. It's about the presence of God coming into this place and inhabiting our worship and making way for the word of God to be presented so that our hearts are ready to receive from him. And then our lives can be changed and transformed by the power of his word. How does that happen? It happens through praise and worship. Yeah. Hallelujah. We experience his presence and he draws close to us. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him with our heart and worship him with our mind. Worship him with the spirit, but also worship him with our understanding. That is what God desires. He desires for us to understand him to know him, to have a relationship with him. And when we have that relationship with him, we can truly worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Our praise and worship declares our love for him. Don't let anything hinder your praise and worship. Don't let anything stop your praise and worship. Don't let these masks stop you from praising and worshiping God. I know it's awkward. I just did it with you. And it's hard to breathe when you're jumping up and down. Coming from someone who, you know, runs a lot. It's still hard to breathe. But don't let it hinder your praise and worship. Don't let songs hinder your praise and worship. If you don't like a song, you can still praise God. You can still worship him. You know what he's done for you. It doesn't matter if they're singing about it or not. You can, you can praise him in your own way. It doesn't matter if you like the song. You know who he is. You can still worship him. Despite me hating this song, I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to praise God. Amen. Amen. And that's not a knock because the music team does a wonderful job giving us great songs to sing and to worship to. Don't let your emotions hinder your praise and worship. Don't let you being tired or coming into this place feeling heavy. 
Don't let that hinder you from praising and worshiping God. Get back to the basics. Remember why you're here. You're not here out of tradition. You're here because you love Jesus. You're here because you're following Jesus and you want to know more about him and you want to draw closer to him. You're here because you want to praise and you want to worship Jesus and you need to hear from God and you need a word from the Lord. That's why you're here. Get back to the basics. Pour out your love for him and get back to your first love. If you could be upstanding as I come to a close. Thank you for your attention this evening. There are other basics that we could have talked about and pastor will probably get onto me because I didn't talk to you about them, but there are other basics like service of others, serving others. You could volunteer, give to others, giving. There's other basics like fasting, which you'll get a great opportunity to be involved in in a couple weeks, 21 straight days of it, amen. The basics, we need to get back to the basics. Often in Pentecost, we talk about the power of one decision. And especially when you're traveling and preaching, you talk about the power of that one decision because you want to see lives changed and you believe that God's going to move and God does move. And there is power in that one decision because today is the day of salvation. Amen. You can make a decision today that changes your forever. You can make a decision in this altar here this evening that changes your eternity. Amen. The power of one moment, the power of one decision. There are distinct moments in the presence of God that you will remember for the rest of your life. I remember when I was 16 years old and I had a distinct encounter with God and it changed my life forever. There's power in a moment. There's power in one decision. But with that said, one decision can only be a catalyst for the rest of the decisions that you make. Too many times we get hung up on that one decision, but all it does is that decision leads you down a path where you can make more decisions each and every day. You see, the choice is yours every day. Am I going to align myself with the commitment that I made? Am I going to align myself with the decision that I made in an altar when I was 16 years old? You have that choice every day to align your decisions with that big decision that you made. In Proverbs chapter four, the writer is imparting wisdom to a young man. And he says this to him at the conclusion of the chapter, he says this, he says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right, do not turn to the left and turn your foot away from evil. Stay focused, look ahead. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but look ahead. As we get back to the basics, I want to encourage you to set your focus on the things of God every day. You may not be a morning person, but in the morning, you can set your focus on the things of God. Don't allow your environment, don't allow your family or even your emotions to dictate 
your disciplines. Keep your eyes fixed forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right, but focus on the path that God has laid out for you. Focus on the path that God has for your life. I want to challenge someone here this evening to recommit yourself to God this evening. Recommit yourself to the Lord tonight. Recommit to establishing godly disciplines in your everyday life. Recommit that you're going to get back to the basics, that you're going to allow God to move in your everyday life through reading the Word of God, through prayer, through praise and worship, that you are going to allow God to direct your steps. Hallelujah. This place at the front, this is a place we call the altar, and, and I want to open up this altar to you. It's an area where we make decisions. It's an area where we pray, where we commit ourselves. And, and if, you're, if you're comfortable, others will pray with you. And I want to open up this altar to you and allow you to make a decision here tonight. Make that big decision. But don't lose sight of the fact that all that does is start leading you down a path of the choices that you need to make every day. And if you make those choices every day, there's no telling what God can do for you this year. And there's no telling what God will do in your life and through you. Amen. There's no telling what God will do. Let's spend some time with God in prayer. Let's spend some time committing our days to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray with you. Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you, Lord, for calling each and every one of us, for having your hand on our lives, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light, for giving this opportunity to love you and to serve you and to have a relationship with you. And Lord, we recommit ourselves here this evening. Lord, we recommit ourselves to the basics, to the fundamentals, the things we might have been forsaking, the times in prayer, the times in your word that we might have forsaken. Lord, we recommit ourselves to that because we want to see you move in our lives, God. We are returning to our first love. We are returning to our relationship with you, the thing that has driven us to become a Christian, the thing that has driven us to live this lifestyle. God, we're coming back to you this evening and we're recommitting ourselves to you. We don't want to stay the same, but we want to be changed. And not just tonight, but every day. We want to continue to change, continue to be transformed into the person that you have for us. Work through us and in us, Lord, we pray. Hallelujah.